Broadcasting from the Unshackled Studios in Melbourne, this is Will's Front. Brought to you by the Unshackled.net. Now here's Tim Wills. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's Wilms Front featured interview show. It is Thursday the 7th of July 2022. We are live on the Wilms Front YouTube, DLive and Odyssey channels as well as on the interactive entropy software. Or you can ask uh, either me or my guest tonight a question or send through a super chat. It is just after 8.30 p.m. here in Melbourne, Victoria, where there is a bit more sunlight during the days, but it is still freezing by Australian standards from dusk till dawn. Although we are faring much better weather-wise than the residents of Northwest Sydney, who are experiencing flooding for the third time this year due to Warragamba Dam spilling again, uh, flooding the Hawkesbury River and putting the Windsor Bridge underwater. Uh, Airbus Elbow checked back into Sydney this week to tour the floods and declare that his 43% emissions reduction target by 2030 that he'd been promoting on the uh, global stage will help prevent local floods going forward. The new Albanese government plans to legislate their emissions target when the new parliament finally opens on July 25, seemingly undeterred from phasing out fossil fuels, despite Eastern Victoria being on the brink of power blackouts in mid-June. This led to the Australian energy market operator, a federal government entity, temporarily nationalising the wholesale energy market. How did our electricity supply come this close to running out and how did our energy supply market uh, become so crippled? My guest tonight will explain this to us. Dr. Alan Moran is the founder and principal at Regulation Economics. Previously, he was the director of the Deregulation Institute at the Institute of Public Affairs uh, for 18 years. He has previously been a senior official at uh, the Australia's Productivity Commission, uh, Director of the Commonwealth Office of Regulation Review and Deputy Secretary of Energy in the Victorian Government. He has authored and edited numerous books, uh, Climate Change, Treaties and Policies in the Trump Era, uh, published in 2017 by Connor Court Publishing, and uh, Climate Change, uh, The Facts, uh, published in uh, 2015 by the, the Institute of Public Affairs. He's a regular contributor to the Spectator magazine and online, and has uh, written uh, numerous uh, op-eds for major newspapers, and uh, has made numerous t uh, television and radio appearances as an energy policy expert. He's in demand uh, at the moment. He does this for a living, so he's the perfect person to explain what is going on with our uh, energy uh, supply. Alan, welcome back to Wilmsfront. Hi, Tim. Good to talk to you again. You're one of the, the first uh, guests I had on Wilmsfront when it launched in, in 2019 when uh, Greta had just made her How Dare You uh, speech in the United Nations. That seems like a uh, lifetime ago it was a pandemic ago hmm. yeah um and uh, quite a lot has happened since then but uh leading up to that is the is the real story of uh, why it's happened and uh you know it's a 20-year odyssey we've come through in australia 
to um, uh, arrive at the situation where we have this parlous electricity supply and energy supply generally uh, situation, which is being vividly evident right now, but uh, the, the, the source of it, as, as often is the case, goes back, uh, almost, well, 20 years or, or more. Uh, our uh, viewers and listeners will detect an English accent, and obviously we're uh, expecting Boris Johnson to announce his resignation at any moment. Uh, uh, don't worry, we're not going <laughs> to cut away to, to listen to his, his resignation uh, speech, but uh, he too has, uh, well, his climate policies of. Uh, crippled his uh, nation and they're experiencing a cost of living uh, crisis uh, such as we are here driven in part by uh, energy supply. Hmm. It's, that's, that's true um, and certainly uh, it's, it's bitten at the household level in the UK quicker than it did here. Uh, this calendar year Household electricity bills have doubled, uh, more than doubled, uh, in the UK. They haven't gone up that much here, but they will do this 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 calendar year. They will double in Australia. There's there's no question about that. And that said, I mean the uh, the issue of climate change, which has really been polarised politics here at least since the the, the uh, since about 2008. Um, is far less significant on the political horizon in the UK. There aren't pitchforks in the streets, in spite of the fact that um, uh, the the uh, people have seen their electricity bills doubled. And in looking at the challenges to Boris Johnson, they're, they're not people who who've been prominent in saying, you know, we've got to get rid of Johnson because his climate policies have, have resulted in doubling of the electricity price here, and we've got all sorts of problems in terms of deindustrialization it's not uh, even though uh, there are people who lead, led by uh, the global warming policy foundation for example in in london who are very much concerned as we are here in, in australia about the depredations of policy in terms of uh, uh, causing uh, shortages of fuel and uh, higher prices there these aren't the issues which seem to be turning the political debate in the UK, at least at this stage. Yes, you're exactly right that, uh, well, uh, the, 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 the climate uh, uh, zealots and the, the elites, they probably love that there's this consensus uh, in the, the UK, while in uh, Australia there, there has uh, been a debate and uh, there, well, in the, the, the centre-right uh, parties, uh, there there is uh, alternative uh, views uh, to net zero and how reliable uh, solar and wind and other non fossil fuels can be. And it's, it's, and it's with the the election of the the Albanese uh, government, it's they, they declared that the climate wars uh, are over again. Well, they have and. Uh, uh... And they, they, well, they are over in that sense for for a while, but hopefully only for a very short while, uh, because we've, uh, we, you know, we are seeing, and it's, it's it's coincidental in a sense because it has been germinating for some time, this very rapid increase in prices, uh, which those on 
on the sort of green left say, well, it's all due to Ukraine or something yeah, like that's, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but of course, that, that was only the catalyst uh, for it. And, and certainly, uh, the, the, we, we saw prices uh, double. This is on the spot market. We saw prices double uh, in, in 20, uh, by, by 2018 from the levels of 2016. And we've seen them rise fivefold now, sixfold now. We, the price, the price has gone. From, the number is from about fifty or forty or fifty dollars per megawatt hour to eighty, ninety, a hundred dollars per megawatt hour. And currently, uh, the price is now about two fifty, three hundred dollars per megawatt hour. So that's the price of the the generation, the electricity, the juice itself has gone up that that much uh, in the last few years. But that. This isn't something which is caused by uh, international factors, or at least not in the main. Uh, it's caused by a process which started, even started in the John Howard, where uh, for the first time in a very small way, uh, he introduced a subsidy for, uh, for wind and, and solar. Um, and uh, that subsidy basically uh, started undermining the uh, neutrality of the market and, and because it was subsidy on one particular product or bunch of products and not on others, the other products then started losing their competitiveness. Um, and gradually the subsidy was trivial at first and by about uh, 2012, uh, when we, you probably recall, we had a carbon tax briefly and uh, under um, the Gillard government, uh, which was eradicated by the uh, incoming Abbott government in 2013, 2014. Um, but the, the, and the subsidies continued, uh, especially under Turnbull and now uh, under Albanese. So we're now in a situation where uh, what was a trivial part of the electricity supply, uh, that is the wind and solar, is now about 25 or so percent. And uh, of course, the ALP plan is is this by in seven years time we'll go to eighty two percent. I mean it's a colossal change. It's a it's a unprecedented change, and uh, with a wing and a prayer they say this will all go well and we'll have uh, lower prices and uh, the, and the kind of regularity of supply which we've enjoyed by and large for the last uh, forty years. But uh, you know there are many like me who 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 would doubt that very very strongly and indeed. I'm pretty certain that won't happen. Are these subsidies for renewables, are they still distributed through the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, which is another government energy entity that uh, a lot of our viewers might not have heard of? They probably didn't hear of the Australian energy market operator until about a month ago. Like, How many of these sort of organisations are there, government entities, and how do they all interact in our energy market and grid? Well, there's about, I don't know how many there are. There's, <laughs> there must be two dozen uh, at state and federal level. Uh, and the, some of them are actually agencies like the ones you mentioned there, which give either soft loans or grants to particular forms of energy, which favour the which the government favours, uh, and others basically administer regulatory arrangements which require uh, the retailers to incorporate increasing amounts of renewable energy in the overall uh, overall supply that they 
provide to consumers and, and industry. And that overall amount, that 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 part, that, that renewable energy uh, has, has been increasing and will continue increasing. And it, effectively, by requiring that, it gives a subsidy because the, you can buy and sell the rights to to actually put, put some of this uh, renewable energy into the system. And that actually creates a kind of a subsidy. So, for example, uh, the, the uh, until we saw the recent massive hikes in prices, uh, the price of energy uh, at the spot market was like, uh, say, $80. But um, in terms of the uh, renewable components, they get they they had a price of eighty dollars plus forty. So in other words, they got a fifty percent subsidy in terms of the their their contribution and and this this is a result and and, and the the actual this is paid the, for the, by taxpayers, isn't it? This is paid no. This is paid for largely by consumers rather than tax ta rather than taxpayers from your taxes. It's paid through your electricity bills. Um, so this uh, basically. Uh, was making the coal has been making the coal producers, which produce about seventy percent of our electricity, making them far less profitable because partly because they're squeezed out for increasingly parts of the time, and partly because they're forced in and out, which in, uh, ups their costs uh, and causes breakdowns. So you know we, so we've we've like had that surcharge. Yeah, yeah on, it's a on surcharge your on your bill, but but actually the, it's a surcharge you don't see. It's a surcharge you can estimate, but it's one that the authorities very cleverly actually don't actually uh, advertise. So you don't They're actually see what on your bill. Done. No, they don't. They don't put it on your bill. Uh, uh, they, you know, they, they, it is hidden. It is hidden. It's not. It's not secret, but it is hidden and is calculable. And it's not a controversial calculation. It's, everybody knows how much it costs. Everybody in the industry who's looking at it knows how much it costs. But, but most households are totally unaware. So we've had that situation uh, which has been developing here uh, over, the, say, 20 years or more, and uh, finally has come to a massive head uh, in the last uh, uh, six months. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the strange thing, Tim, is that uh, the price has gone up from, say, you know, $80 at the, at the basic uh, X generator, to um, you know, three hundred or so dollars uh, in this this calendar year, and actually nobody really says anymore that it's likely to go down. You know, in the past, when the, when we've been when those have been pushing uh, renewable energy, and that's a mixture of ideologues and who went to school and believe we're, we're, we're crucifying the world, and and those who are actually reaping the benefits from the subsidies. Um, in the past, they always argued, you know that. Renewables are the cheapest form of energy, and this this will be cheaper, and it won't have any impact on prices, or a very slight in, impact on prices, and only be a, 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 a temporary impa impact. Uh, not many people are saying that now. In fact, I don't think anybody's saying it now. So you know, there's a recognition that uh, the renewables, as they call it, the transition, the energy transition, is a transition to a much higher priced system than the one we had before. And there are various mechanisms which uh, augment that uh, the system to actually try to prevent, to, to allow it to work. Because as you'd be aware, 
renewables don't work all the time. They're, they're, they're volatile and they are weather dependent. And um, so, you know, they, they basically are potentially unreliable. So you have to do a lot of, put a lot of kit into the system, a lot more uh, pipes and networks, et cetera, to try to make them more reliable. And there's an interesting... Uh, we're told by the new energy and climate change minister, Chris Bowen, that uh, we need more storage uh, batteries for when the, the wind isn't blowing and the, the sun isn't shining. That will right. solve all the, the, the problems of uh, intermittent uh, generation and uh, will uh, reduce uh, electricity bills. That's apparently the solution and we just need more... What? Uh, more batteries to, to to store all this energy that's developed during the day and it's so cheap uh, when it's uh, generated like that well you know it's actually not cheap but but it, but uh, and the, the more batteries does does help but they cost money um the batteries batteries cost money and uh you know what what we've got in this in this system we we had a system, you know, if you're talking about aggregate prices, we had a system uh, which was sort of, if you take the, the, the production of the electricity and its transmission through the main networks, not the, not the pipes, not the, the, the uh, local networks, but the main networks. We had a system which um, was valued at about $100 billion through the generators and about $22 billion through the networks. Now, there's two system. There's two options. They're not mutually exclusive, but two uh, plans around. One is one was the what the ALP took to the recent election. That was called um, uh, the uh, uh, re rewiring the nation. Uh, uh, yes, and the I other one that's been recently. Yeah, that one that was in, in I think December of last year. And the other one is is uh, the, the 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 plan which the AEMO, which you mentioned, the Australian Energy Market Operator, has, uh, has recently uh, announced, in fact, last month. Um, and they ha have the same kind of ob ob objective. They're both seeking to uh, get to 82% renewables by 2030. And that's from renewables of 25% or something like that right now. Uh, so they, they're trying to do a, a massive increase in renewables and that and corresponding to that, a reduction in the amount of coal generation. But the ALP plan is somewhat different. It's actually talking about they're going to get to those renewables, but they also are rewiring the nation. They say, well, rewiring the nation, we're going to give $20 billion of taxpayer money, and that's going to attract another $58 billion of private sector money. In other words, their system of the, ne the network has become $70 billion uh, or $78 billion compared to $22 billion before. In other words, there's almost a fourfold increase in that aspect. And as well as that, um, you, you mentioned batteries. They basically, they're talking about a concrete amount of batteries. And oh, I've got a photo here. And, and it's, not only, it's about, not only the batteries like this, it's, it's Snowy 2, which is being converted in, from uh, uh, the, the hydro system, which it was, into a, a system that backs up, essentially, re renewable energy. 
Um, and so that, that's another $60 billion as a cost. So we're, we're talking, um, in the case of the, uh, of the AOP policy, something like $340 billion cost, which is going to replace a system which costs $120 billion. So there's got to be, some, you know, it's, it's, twice, it's, it's twice or three times, almost three times the price. It certainly cannot ever be as, uh, as regular and, and as uh, reliable. Uh, so we're replacing that system, which we had, which was the cheapest in the world, just about, with this new system, which they tell us is going to be great, but it's going to cost at least three times as much. And, you know, there, there are severe questions about how reliable it can ever possibly be. So, so you know, it's all being pushed, if you like, by, by concern uh, about uh, global warming, on the, especially on the part of very energized younger people, the same people who, I guess, were supporting the Teal candidates, for example, in the, in the last election, and by quite large licks of, uh, of money from people who are producing the renewable energy and are looking to the subsidies and, and want more of them. So, but the end, the end product is, uh, is the price has got has got as will double to the households this year and increase after the, uh, thereafter and to industry it'll be much higher because the, the proportion of the, the electricity bill that uh, major firms uh com comprise of major firms is much higher the generation proportion is much higher so their their uh, energy bills or electricity bills will go up more than households and that all feed further inflation because they'll have to, to pass it on in the, the price of their, their products. Otherwise, they'll go out of business. And going back to what you're talking about, the, the rewiring uh, the, the nation, uh, Labor's uh, policy, uh, they, they did uh, try to, uh, well, they, they have, uh, they began the, the process uh, when they were last in government of we, we re rewiring Australia's uh, internet uh, cables, and right. there is yeah. there is some similarities uh, in how the internet market works in there being the wholesaler and the, the retailer, and how the the energy market works with the the wholesaler and the retailer. But I'm not aware that in the 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 internet uh, market that there is a government body which is setting the price and that these private companies have to apply to to have the the price raised uh, that's that, that it's uh, to free marketers such as us that's quite insane it's like uh, mm. we're seeing our grocery bills increase it's like uh, the major supermarkets having to apply to some grocery uh, government board to to raise the price of bread 30 cents well, that's the case. The case now, when the when the market broke, as you mentioned in the intro, suddenly it broke and therefore was administered. And that administration is now off, but it will it may well and probably in the next few days come back on again because the uh, the shortages of, uh, of basic feedstock for the, uh, the 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 generators and the fact that some of them are out out have been closed and others are actually gotten broke broken. Uh, means that the the, the price the, the the market price has gone up and and uh, 
when it goes beyond a certain level, it becomes administered uh, by uh, the, the authorities. It had never, that had never happened in the 25 years that the market has existed before uh, uh, May or June of this year. So this, this, it's happened for the first time now. It'll happen again from many times in the future. And when you actually, it's interesting you say uh, that the prices have gone up generally. It's not just electricity prices, they've gone up, of course, but as you say, this is this is feeds into all goods and services that we buy. And uh, we, we've seen, we're seeing inflation rise, largely because of this. Uh, you know, and, and people don't understand why it's risen. We, we have, we've got for the first time for some years, quite a, a number of strikes taking place, especially in Europe, amongst uh, in industries where there's been relatively little industrial unrest for, you know, a decade or more. And the answer to this is that suddenly people are, uh, 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 firms are only able to pay, you know, wage increases of say 2%, but prices have gone up at eight or nine or 10%. Uh, and it's like, and it's because of the, the cost of living is the prices have gone up because of the energy component, not only if you're directly purchasing as a household, but in the goods and services that you buy. So people are actually, you know, what, what has happened here? Why, why can't I, why am I, why is my standard of living going backwards? And uh, that, you know, we have this industrial unrest as a result. And again, it's not, it's not clear to the people who are protesting the fact that their living standards have gone down, what, why that's happened. Uh, but the answer to me, you know, in very large part, is, is due to the increase in the price of energy. I noticed that in Australia, it's only uh, industrial action happening in New South Wales, which I conclude is because there's a, a coalition government there and there's a state election in 2023. There yeah. hasn't been any strikes here in Victoria because there's a Labor government in power and there's a state election in, in, in 2022. So it's yeah. so far very political here. Uh, but uh, obviously, it's more than political. It, it, it is also um, the fact that the Albanese government said straight away, uh, "Well, the ACTU wants a five point something percent increase in wages. We'll agree with it. We're going to go along with that. Fine." Which is okay. Uh, so they've diffused a lot of what may have become industrial unrest by giving granting wage increases more or less across the board but you know that's all very well for the government to say that you now have to pay everyone a lot more money but the people who are paying them money are confronting a market which won't agree with the price increase or won't readily agree with the price increases so you're creating a situation where you a stroke of a pen you've increased wages but you haven't increased productivity wages can only go up if you increase productivity and that that hasn't happened so you basically built in a situation which is going to cause a great deal of distress amongst business people especially small businesses uh, who are being forced to pay higher wages than than they want to or, or indeed that the market is requiring uh, but can't get extract the higher prices which are the corollary of this if they're going to stay profitable and in business Oh, well, it's fair to uh, 
assume or conclude that uh, one of the, the major reasons productivity hasn't increased is because governments have shut down many industries over the past two years and uh, countries uh, with their, their various restrictions and particularly with uh, China uh, still pursuing uh, zero COVID, uh, freight has been uh, stranded uh, for many, uh, many months. And uh, so that has has slowed uh, innovation, and uh, which is the which is the the main driver of increases in productivity. As obviously inflation has increased as well because the Reserve Bank has uh, pumped uh, way more money into our money supply. Uh, so there's all the all of these different factors here, and the uh, the extreme weather, which is not climate change it as what's always happened here mm. yeah quite so i think uh, all of those are true um and indeed uh, uh australia has benefited to a considerable degree but by the high prices in exports um the, certainly coal uh thermal coal and and coking coal has seen increases of you know five or six five or six fold uh, in the last year or so, year or so um, partly because of shortages. Uh, we, and we face real problems here because we've got such a, a strong uh, uh, government opposition to coal, and we've also got considerable uh, uh, opposition amongst Greens, green activists, and, and amongst um, industry. Which is responding to green activists, I guess, but none of the banks will lend to coal mine governments. Yeah. And this is um, the, the we, argument that the Greens yeah. and climate activists use. Oh, it doesn't stack up uh, in the the free market. That's that's what yeah. they say. But the free market has been shackled by uh, people who are saying, you know, as as a business, you must not lend to coal mine. If you do, we're going to withdraw our savings. We're going to Put pressure on you in shareholders' meetings. We're going to vilify you generally in the media, and to, to, and I guess um, the banks and and every Australian bank is, is the same. Just say you know the the, the, the cake's not worth the halfpenny, so we're not going to we're not going to lend to um, coal sources. In addition to that, the the agitators themselves make any development very very expensive. You know they go and chain themselves to to various heavy, heavy machinery and things like that, uh, and they don't really get any punishment for that. And then we have, we've, we've to some degree stacked the courts uh, with people who are woke judges. It's, it's, New South Wales is worse than than most. It's, it's run by you know even cunning... worse than Victoria. Well, in the terms of the courts, it is uh, because it's run by uh, you know a chap who's basically very. Very much greeny and believes in global warming, and we've got to do we've got to stop all coal mine, coal production in Australia, even though we only produce about three or four percent of the world's coal, uh, very valuable to us. But it's, it's still not a, it's still only really a trivial amount. So we we have uh, this legislative, um, public, um, agitational, and 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 government uh, opposition. To producing uh, the, the the commodity, which has been uh, the basic driver of our 
economic growth and of, indeed of the incomes that we all we all uh, benefit from the the state governments well we have now six labor state and territory governments and it's too liberal but the the two remaining liberal uh governments uh the well it's pretty much a left-wing government in in new south wales with uh dominic uh dominic parate having as as treasurer and energy minister matt keen also known as matt green and then you have the very left-wing new tasmanian premier uh jeremy rockcliffe and uh, the although the the coalition at the federal level has is uh, has is still uh talking about uh energy security the need for what's the term Frydenberg always called uh, coal will continue to be part of the the energy mix but the 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 states they're able to tax fossil fuels out of existence and also uh ban uh exploration for uh gas which is which they do i mean the exploration is banned for gas more or less uh uh, throughout the the eastern states, South Australia, Victoria, Tasmania, uh, and New South Wales, not so in Queensland. And Queensland uh, is is a major supplier of gas uh, from that. Uh, gas is running out elsewhere. In fact, they're even talking about you know no longer allowing uh, gas for household use in Victoria. And the Victorian Minister uh, D'Ambrosia. Uh, is saying, well, you know, we can't, we haven't got enough gas here because we haven't. She doesn't actually say this, but we haven't got enough gas here because we've we've banned gas, and it's not only the Labour Party banned it, the Liberals banned it before then. Uh, we've banned gas, so we don't. We're running out of it. So we'd like Queensland to divert some of the gas that was going overseas to Victoria, um, and uh, no, we're not going to pay the overseas price for that gas. So you know, we're, we're running into this conundrum, which is created by a government that we're short of gas. Um, and, and the same issue, of course, is with power stations. The, the, the major, the, 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 a major crisis in power supply occurred in 2016 in Victoria with the closure of the Hazelwood power station. And that, closed, that, that was under pressure as a result of the re renewables uh, having priority and being subsidized, but also it was hit by the other the other side because the state government suddenly trebled the, the, the what's called royalties, which is a, a tax mm. on on the power station, trebled it overnight, and on all of the power stations, of course. And Hazelwood, you know, said, "Well, you know, that's that's it. We we can't afford to operate now, so we're going to close." So they closed, and the price, of course, doubled, and it, we, we've gone from there. So yes, the government look governments look at this as a, as a sort of milk cow that they can just sort of tap into when they want and the queensland government is is exactly the same and probably worse in some respects even though they do permit uh gas and and, and coal to be mined but uh, they they put a, a massive new tax on the on coal uh coal exports um which is actually on the cut on the price when the price goes up above a certain level but that's a breach of confidence. That's basically the coal and the gas and other other um, financiers of these projects came in there with assurances that such a tax would not be applied, and suddenly it is. I mean, this is a sovereign risk, which is a very dangerous uh, for Australia, which is dependent upon 
the government's word being more or less is bond. And suddenly when the government changes its mind and, uh, and exacts a new penalty after people have, have sunk capital into projects, that actually has a very chilling effect on future investment. Not only investment from overseas, but investment from within Australia. In Victoria, the, the Liberal opposition is pretty much me too on, on climate uh, pol policies. I mean, they're, they're me too on pretty much uh, all of uh, Dan Andrews' uh, agenda at the, at the moment. But this, uh, 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 th this gas exploration ban, like, first of all, can you explain uh, the, is there the, the difference in emissions between coal and gas power and uh, why is there this ban on gas exploration is it because of the uh that it will damage the uh the the water tables uh damage pri prime agricultural land what's their justification well yeah first of all the the gas actually has got half the greenhouse gas emissions of coal in, in proportion to the energy uh, it, it supplies so gas is you know should be the obvious one that that, that uh, those who are anxious about climate change and are ascribing that to coal combustion uh, ought to be choosing and indeed that's what they're now in fact they're now doing that in Europe they're basically giving uh, gas a, a a free pass say well you know that's that's okay we'll call it green we'll call it greenhouse friendly at least for the time being. So yeah, that, that's what gas does. But the, the uh, issues about uh, exploration and development uh, started off with the, with, with, uh, the new, uh, not new process, but a process called fracking, which is uh, basically injecting water and some sand and some, some desil and chemicals like that into, into rocks. Sorry, yeah, so actually, force the rocks to release the gas and then you tap the gas and you put it into the system and that's been almost all of the gas which we've developed on the east coast has come has come through that process at least in recent years so there, there was opposition to that and and the, the idiocy of the liberal government the previous liberal national government uh, was that they said okay we're going to ban that process even though there's a million of these wells being developed all around the world. They've been going since about 1946. It's been a process which has transformed the US into becoming a major exporter of energy for the first time in 50 years under, under actually under the Trump regime. It's actually now an import again because Biden has banned, um, banned gas or, or had banned gas and he's now trying to re reopen the gas wells. Um, so it has started that and there was it was a it was a ploy towards um farmers who basically said well you know we, we don't get much out of this gas and it's on our land uh, we don't like people coming in with heavy trucks and things and uh and uh, the the it was the napthine government in victoria bandits and uh they banned and then then they came in and banned all gas not only the gas exploration through fracking but all gas exploration on, on shore, um, which may well be lifted soon, at least for non-fracking gas. But, you know, it's basically, uh, for, for 10 years, uh, any search for gas in Victoria, and other states have more or less followed suit, um, 
has been uh, has been null and void. So there's been no possible no possibility. Regulatory has been regulatory disallowed to look for gas, and um, gradually the existing supplies that we had are running out. And uh, when you know there's a scarcity results like that, that's when the price starts shooting up. You know the the gas price is linked to that internationally, and it would have it would have increased anyway. But but you can see the difference in the United States, where gas is a quarter of the price here, uh, because basically, notwithstanding Biden's opposition to, to gas, that there was an ability. You know, the, 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 certainly the Trump government, and even before then, uh, there was there was a, a carte blanche given to to gas exploration, and, and uh, essentially they've got quite a, a very high supply of it and of petrol as well through the same process. So um, they, they, their gas prices are a quarter of those uh, in, in of Europe and considerably lower than we have in Australia as well. And the, the great tragedy of this uh, well, self-inflicted energy crisis is that Australia is resource rich. We've got uh, uh, Heaps of, of coal are uh, available to be mined, uh, uh, gas as well, and also uh, uranium. We've got some of the world's largest uranium uh, deposits. There has been, over the past decade, some more mature discussions about uh, having nuclear power in Australia, uh, but that uh, upset uh, the, the new en new energy minister, Chris Bowen, that uh, well, he got so angry about it, uh, claiming it was the most expensive form of energy that he almost blew a microphone at his, at his uh, press conference. Uh, can you see nuclear power happening? Uh, certainly people of my generation, we're not uh, anti-nuclear uh, hysterics like some of the the boomers were in the 60s and 70s that got it got it banned uh, here. Mm. Well, I think uh, I mean, nuclear power is is the power of the future. I mean, it's intrinsically going to be cheaper than any other power over a period of 50 years, or whatever. Um, but it but it and and it certainly should have a role here. Uh, and people are talking about small modules, which Rolls Royce is developing, and that there are other other developers too. Which would be, which are, are said to be, going to be commercial in the next few years, and if that's the case, then that's great. They, they should be allowed in. Uh, I think uh, under the present market settings we have for electricity, nuclear will face the same problems as coal. That is, <coughs> excuse me, um, coal is is um, is being forced out of the market. Not only because of the antipathy by of government, but because it has to take second priority after renewables, which are subsidised, uh, and and uranium and nuclear would would face those same difficulties. Uh, and so we, we we would we we would have uh, in the short term the same problems in getting uh, a, a viable new. Uh, nuclear plant as we would having a viable new coal plant while we have these subsidies which prevail still on on wind and, and solar so the answer is yeah uh, we've got to get rid of the subsidies we uh, and it's easier said than done but we we have to stop them today and uh, and then gradually have this um, this uh, cancer 
on the system, which is the wind and the solar, have that wind, wind down, and then we will see new plant coming in. And whether that's coal or gas or nuclear, well, it doesn't really matter. Let, let the market then decide. But we can't have the system which is so distorted now by government push, pushing forward uh, a system we, we, we would push forward an efficient, efficient supply. Uh, until we get rid of those subsidies, we will have inefficient supply. We will have high cost, increasingly high cost supply and increasingly uh, irregular and, uh, and, and uh, uh, unreliable supply. And then there's also, could we have a mature discussion about where to store nuclear waste, even though they do it successfully without controversy in the, the Nordic uh, nations? Uh, we'll, we'll go over to, to Europe because the, the, the most immature nation when it comes to energy uh, policy and security has been Germany. I mean, they decommissioned nuclear after the the the, the Fukushima uh, nuclear plant uh, mass hysteria, and uh, was, there was after that there was huge Green Party victories in in Germany, and now they have the the Greens in coalition, and they're going to bring back coal. Mm. I mean, they've got what they call the Jamaica coalition because it's green, black, red, and blue, uh, the, like the Jamaican flag. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, and unfortunately, the, the, the free Democrats who are close to liberal Democrats or whatever we have here are yeah. on board with this policy, which is terribly sad. But they, uh, yes, as you say, they, they, they haven't closed all their nuclear power stations. They've got three still operating. But those are due to close in November. And in spite of the fact that uh, they've got no Russian gas and they're in a terrible situation in terms of the availability of, of that, and that they've closed coal power stations, which they're busily trying to reopen, at least temporarily, right now. They still haven't uh, reneged on that decision to close the nuclear plant, the three remaining nuclear plants. Quite quite a large amount of nuclear capacity there. Um, they say it's not possible because you can't get new rods or whatever, um, which doesn't seem very plausible to me. But they they still ha uh, are planning to completely close their nuclear industry by this, by the end of this calendar year. Uh, and the answer, yes, Germany uh, has got a highly unreliable supply now. I mean, uh, partly because they did depend upon Russian gas and the, that dependency has stymied their ability to run an independent foreign policy and made the, uh, the, the supply uh, very uncertain. Um, so they, they've got the highest electricity prices in the world. It's, it's causing tremendous problems for their very... Technologically superior chemical and, and other industries, car industries, etc., all of which uh, are facing these very high charges now. And uh, Germany is, has got some real problems, real problems. Uh, in the Netherlands currently, farmers are protesting against new nitrogen controls that the, the government mm. is introducing, which could put a lot of uh, family. Uh, far, uh, farming farming dynasties uh, out of business. Have you been following this? What's the Dutch government's uh, justification for this? 
Well, they, it's all part of the global warming policy that they want to reduce the amount of emissions uh, from the agriculture. That, so they're going to ban fertilizers. That's a policy which Sri Lanka put in place mm. to, to considerable distress uh, a year or so ago. So they want to ban fertilizers and they want to change the nature of, uh, of farming uh, in a revolutionary way, which will probably be, in the case of the Netherlands, would, would certainly mean the destruction of about a third of the farms that are there. And uh, even they, though the Netherlands is Sri Lanka? Sorry? Could they go the way of Sri Lanka? The, uh, well, the Netherlands? I don't know that they'd go that way because Sri Lanka had other problems as well. But certainly they'd go the way of Sri Lanka in terms of their production output. Sri Lanka's uh, production fell by one third as soon as they banned the, the, the nitrogenous fertilizers. That will certainly be the case in in the Netherlands. In fact, that is the stated goal to reduce the, the amount of emissions and the round of produce uh, by by a third. And even though the Netherlands is a small country, it's a very productive, it's one of the biggest um, uh, exporters of, of farm produce in the world, it's very, you know, in terms of eggs and very intensive farm farm uh, uh, production. So they, uh, it, it is a major industry there and one that, uh, you know, the normal green left type types there uh, seem to be intent on on destroying in pursuit of the the wonderful uh, uh, carbon-free uh, production system which they aspire to. Uh, we're just seeing the podium uh, being brought outside of, of number 10. So what is that? Boris's resignation speech, I assume, is, is coming shortly. The, the UK... Uh, channels they've had because uh, like they all have YouTube channels now they've all had like dedicated cams outside of of number 10 so I've just had that on in the background there um it's it certainly seems like that what is it it was called cop uh cop 20 cop 26 in in Glasgow yeah. uh that uh the what is that uh the the globalists what is it uh shoulder rubbing that went on there about net zero by 2050 that seems to have all disintegrated uh yeah and it is in fact one of the uh i mentioned earlier one one of the key aspirants for boris johnson's job is uh javid uh mp of indian extraction very smart guy but he he was the promoter, original promoter of net zero, and he was the chancellor of the exchequer at one stage in the UK before one falling out with with uh, with Boris, and uh, he was very proud of net zero as as, as his goal and the, the fact that the United Kingdom was doing more, so he said, than other countries, um, and uh, uh, and basically we we ought to be doing even more. So you know it's a it's a it's a real issue to me that the UK is, is going through these tribulations, but there doesn't seem to be that many parliamentarians saying, look, the real thing we've got to change here is uh, we've got to actually stop excessive spending, blah, blah, blah. And we've actually, we, we've got to stop destroying our energy industry and making it highly uncompetitive by requiring uh, renewables. And they, they're on the same bandwagon as us and may even have a larger share of renewables than we do, but certainly the same kind of policies are in place. And uh, you said at the beginning of the show that at, at the moment the, the, the UK public is just, they're, they're not revolting against the, the, the energy 
policy. Uh, I mean, you and I uh, remember uh, we spoke at anti-carbon tax rallies in, was it 2011, uh, uh, yeah. when it was about to be legislated. So uh, in Australia, there's... There's there's much uh, there's there's much less tolerance for uh, rapid uh, increases in the the, co the cost of of living. Uh, I, I know that Australians didn't much revolt uh, when the the COVID lockdowns were happening, but that's because they were still getting uh, money. Uh, but now the the cost of living is really uh, pinching, and you've said that to just expect it to 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 keep on on going up. Yeah, um, I think there's a more there's a, a, an awareness uh, of the importance of energy and the cost of living in Australia, which isn't in other countries. Partly because for so long we've had cheap energy, and indeed the the industrial structure of Australia is is geared towards cheap energy. It's not like Germany, which is highly technical, uh, elaborately transformed manufactures major, major chemicals. Uh, ours is very much uh, sort of geared to we've got cheap we've got cheap resources we've got cheap farming resources we've got cheap mineral resources and we benefit these by by using cheap energy, and so it's it's been very much a backbone of the nation. But that said, you know if we look at the last election here and you sort of examine you know, where, where we're parties, well we've talked about a little bit about the teals now, so and the teals maybe represent you know half of the coalition voters uh maybe not who knows but it's a, it's plausible that they do certainly the the national party uh changed its leadership uh towards the teal it wasn't quite the, the case with the the liberal party but then again they've not really said very much different from labor except labor's going a little little bit too fast in in moving towards um uh net zero uh we we do have a a, a coterie of commentators and you and i part of that um you know who who are much much more aware of the dangers than than is the case in the united kingdom um and um with with, with strong leadership and that was certainly the case with say with uh, tony abbott uh who recognized this uh and uh, acted upon it very 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 strongly um you know the, there is a, a possibility of making people aware but, we don't, but if we're looking for that leadership in the Liberal Party or the National Party even, then it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty well absent. I, I, I can name half a dozen MPs, maybe, who were soldiers alongside ourselves in terms of seeking to roll back this, uh, this tide of, of additional imposts on energy. But that's not many. And uh, as you say, we have one, two, two states which are Liberal who are basically undistinguishable from the Labour states uh, in that respect. Well, your former uh, colleague at the, the IPA, Tim Wilson, uh, back then when the, the, the carbon tax uh, was, was implemented, uh, subsequently uh, was the Liberal uh, MP for Gold, Goldstein, uh, 2016 to 2022, tried to, to sell his uh, renewable uh, credentials at the 2022 uh, election, but lost his seat to the the Teals. They hold seven out of uh, 151, which is like that's uh, th that's quite a significant number in the 
the lower house and uh, they've got even more radical uh, ambitions than Labor. Yes, that's true. And I think uh, with the Victorian election later this year, there's this, the Teals are gearing up to try and take some seats from Liberal Party people here uh, in Victoria and um, may well enjoy the same sort of success. The, 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 the seats that they won were from kind of green left uh, uh, Liberal Party members, uh, MPs, uh, like Tim Wilson. Uh, uh, and basically they, they won those seats um, by putting people even more green left. So, you know, in terms of public opinion, uh, you, you'd have to say, regrettably from my perspective, public opinion right now is in favour of doing more on, on in terms of uh, replacing our existing efficient system with another system. Now, that, that can change very rapidly, and we, we, we've often seen public opinion in, in wild swings when the implications of that become available because at the present time, it's sold as a policy that, you know, is a no-brainer. The only reason people who are opposed to, to having more wind and solar is, uh, is that they've got vested interest in coal and they uh, are indifferent about raping the earth and causing all the, the oceans to rise and all the other uh, mumbo-jumbo that comes with the, with the climate uh, alarmism. So, you know, the, but once, hopefully, once um, people see the implications of that, then there will be some, something of a revolt. But I've got to say that we haven't seen that really yet in, in Europe uh, and in the UK, where the response to the very high prices was, has been so far, we've got to go even faster in replacing fossil fuels with the renewables. And in terms of uh, good for the, the natural environment, uh, I showed the, the amount of space that these batteries take up. And this is a, a solar farm that doesn't <laughs> take, uh, taking up all of the, the natural land mass. And then the, the, the wind farms, I mean, uh, Australia's known for its great outdoors. I mean, good luck sort of going for a hike there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's looking looking sad. Um, I, I, I but the, you know, and you'd you'd hope that there would be some pushback from environmentalists on that issue, but and there is a bit, but not not as much as you would think should should be taking place. And now, obviously, in winter, people are turning the the heaters on. I, it's, so that's. That, uh, yeah, that's why we're told there's uh, uh, pressure on the grid. But obviously, in summer, uh, people turn the, the air conditioners on. So what's your prediction about uh, this this summer uh, in terms of uh, could we see uh, power blackouts? And which is more dangerous that uh, people, uh, people, like for people's health, if they're like too hot or too cold? Well, I think it depends on what, what you mean by two. Uh, you know, if it, obviously it's the freezing, it's, it's much worse than, than having stifling heat, but nonetheless, they're both bad. We, are, we do have a heavier load uh, in Australia as a result of air conditioning in the summer months. To some degree, the system adjusts to that because uh, the uh, power stations 
have conduct their their maintenance uh, at this time of year actually, which is usually a relatively low load, um, and so we, we get away with having that low load. But because uh, it's unseasonably cool throughout Eastern Australia anyway, uh, that is increasing uh, demand uh, for electricity and exacerbating the problems that are caused by uh, lack of fuel and indeed by a couple of stations actually failing and one one blowing up and another uh, another having a long a long outage when it wasn't expected so um yeah i think both both systems are bad certainly europe would, would, would be much worse in the winter and that and i guess uh a, a real crunch will come in in northern Europe, in particular Germany. Uh, well, come, panic buying of biowaste. There may well be. Uh, Germany is hoping to get at least one of uh, eight, one terminal, uh, and which it can import natural gas from the Middle East, uh, operating by the end of the year. Uh, that will ease some of the problems, but not not. It's not enough to actually ease them totally. Hence, that's why they're reopening their coal mines. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for, for coming on the, the show tonight and uh, explaining how uh, Australia got to this situation and because uh, it is complex to understand how all of the various government uh, interferences uh, led us to this situation. Uh, your website is oh, got a regulationeconomics.com. Yeah. Yep. And so people, uh, you provide links to your uh, spectator uh, columns and uh, other publications as well, and that's where uh, people can sign up for uh, your newsletter, and uh, you'll keep on top of uh, well, what's what's coming next when it happens. Yeah, sure will. Thanks, Tim. You're doing great work and uh, a good show. As a year. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's uh, the uh, show for tonight. Uh, Boris Johnson is uh, up on the, the podium now uh, announcing his uh, resignation uh, speech. So I won't keep you, uh, uh, keep the show going as uh, uh, for much longer, just tell you to uh, tune in uh, to Trad Tasman Talk tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Melbourne time on the Unshackled YouTube channel, uh, where I'll be joined by Stephen Berry. I will be discussing uh, Jacinta's uh, trip to Australia, hanging out with, with Dan Andrews and taking a few selfies, and uh, also uh, how... Uh, Airbus Elbows uh, uh, ch uh, check-in uh, for a few days has has gone while he's back. He's going to the uh, Pacific Islands Forum uh, uh, after after he's just had a, a stop over here. And we'll also discuss uh, well the that uh, more people can get a fourth COVID jab now to to fight the the upcoming. Omicron subvariant waves. So, uh, as Kerry Chance said, disregard uh, what we said about two jabs. It's now three or three or more. So, I'll be discussing all that, and we'll also be discussing well, the, since it is a the, the mother country, uh, the the end of Boris uh, as well.
make sure uh, you keep checking out the unshackled.net for our production archive and articles as well. Uh, report from Tiger Mountains and uh, knowledge report with uh, Andy Nolch. You can also support the work of the Unshackled by going to the unshackled.net slash membership or the unshackled.net slash donate. Thank you for your company as always. Uh, stay safe, stay sane, uh, stay free, uh, stay warm, uh, stay healthy. And yes, uh, or stay happy as well, uh, because I know we talk a lot of doom on these shows, but uh, I'm still an optimist. I still, I still choose to 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 believe that uh, things can get better. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Wilmsfront. Visit timwilms.com to view the archive of episodes, and keep visiting theunshackled.net to view all our shows and to keep up with the latest real news and analysis.